Okay, friends, I'm going to invite you to return to your seats. That was quick and orderly. Well done. Thank you. That's great. All right. Let's enter back into that moment of worship, prayer, expectation, reminding ourselves that God is at work here. He is present. He desires to be with you, to be Emmanuel to you personally, more than you could possibly imagine, and more than you want him. Let's start there. Lord Jesus, you were rightly named Emmanuel, God with us. We invoke that part of you now. We appeal to you as the one who comes to be present among your people. Would you be Emmanuel to each person here this morning? Would you be Emmanuel as we continue in this time, that this would not be a time simply of study, but that this would be a time of engaging personally with a person. Emmanuel, God with us. We pause for a moment asking, Lord, would you be Emmanuel to me? Friends, in your quiet time here now, would you pray for this time? Would you pray that God would speak, that we would have ears to hear, that he would be at work, and that we would be willing to respond as he asks, and that it would be personal? Lord, we invite you, we welcome you. You are not very well welcomed. He came among his own and his own did not receive him. 
but to those who did receive him. Lord, would you make us those people? And would you make us those people here? Between 10.42 and 11.42 this morning, would you make us those people who say, we will be the ones who will receive, who will welcome. Lord, make us hospitable to you, toward you. Make us people receptive to you. Make us humble enough to respond well to you. We look to you, Lord. Once again, you're a person. May this be personal. May this not be a class. May it be an encounter. Lord, would you take us deeper in relationship with the one who came among his own? Because you are the one who still comes among your own, because you are still Emmanuel, God, with us. So, Lord, would you open our eyes to see you? Would you open our ears to hear you? Would you sensitize us to all of the ways that you are speaking and moving and working here and now. That, Lord, when we, when we come to the point of opening our eyes and opening our Bibles and looking at the front to the person speaking, may, may we not lose sight of the, of the prior call to personal engagement with the one who is speaking to us, who came among his own. Make us the ones who will receive well. Lord, I believe you have things to give this morning. Would you make us people willing to receive, even if it's different than we expect? We offer you ourselves. We offer you this time. Lord, make of it what you will. For your glory. For the sake of the people that you love and the work you are so invested in. Have your way here and now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to give you three quick announcements because I forgot. Today's the last day to give to Camp Caroline. That project is closing today. You can give um, electronically. Christmas Eve will be here, the usual time and place, meeting, 10 a.m. Okay? Look forward to seeing you here. Lastly, there's a potluck at the Benders tonight, so bring food. If you need directions, check your email. If you need a ride, reach out. We would love to have everyone there for some food, games, just time together. So please bring games. Yes. Please bring food, please bring games, and please bring dessert. That's just my preference. Um.
I already know my wife's been looking out for me there, so it's all good. Chocolate. Okay, back to the good stuff. Um, I was reading a book about a month month or two ago, a gentleman by the name of John Bevere. The topic was the fear of the Lord, and he was talking about um, a parenting conversation that they had around the dinner table one night. Uh, He and his wife, Lisa, raised four boys. And so at some point, I believe they were around teenagers or something, and he said he had this conversation with them. He said, boys, you cannot possibly make your mother and I love you one bit more. You have no idea how much we love you. You will never understand how much we love you, and maybe until you have kids of your own, but you cannot possibly make us love you one bit more. We love you so much, he said. And and I let that sink in for a minute, just this unconditional love that just gets evoked when you become a parent. He let that sink in. And then he said to his boys, I have a feeling it had something to do with behavior challenges. He said, but you decide how pleased we are with you. You cannot possibly make God love you more. And your behavior has nothing to do with how much God loves you. But together, you and I, day to day and moment by moment, in the decisions that we make, decide how pleased God will be with us. That makes sense? You have never once earned God's love. You never could, and we never will. But we also don't need to. The love is there prior to your existence. And it is granted to you automatically without the least bit of behavioral influence at any point. The worst mistake that comes to mind for you as you think about your life story has not affected God's love for you one bit. What it changes is how pleased he is with us. I'm going to modify that quote slightly as we move along. But what I want you to see as we move through the Christmas story, and as you move through the Christmas story, is that God's pleasure in his people, or I'm going to probably use the word favor, more, his favor towards his people. It is going to be there regardless. It's going to go up or down, but it's still going to be there. And there's still going to be this call to repentance. But God's love and his pleasure are not exactly mutually exclusive. All right? We're going to move through this together. I I hope to bring it out a little bit more clearly as we go. God wants people to live lives that please him. And he will pull out all of the stops to make sure that you have every opportunity to respond in ways that please him, but it will never affect his love for you. I hope that is clear. Now we're going to look at two aspects of the Christmas story. 
And I'm going to get right into Christmas even a week before we are going to get into that actual Christmas Eve passage. But first, we're going to start with John the Baptist because you can't distinguish Jesus' work from John the Baptist. Well, you you can distinguish them, but you can't really separate them. They, They do go together in Scripture. And I'm going to take a word out of the angel's message to Zechariah, who is John the Baptist's father. Father to be, because John has not yet been conceived at this time. John, you'll remember, is three months older than Jesus. And his job was to get people ready to meet Jesus. And the angel is going to tell Zechariah about John and the work that John is going to do. So this is Luke 1, uh, verse 11. The angel is speaking. It says, well, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, that's Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Zechariah was a priest in the temple. When Zechariah saw the angel, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or a fermented drink. This is because of his calling. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. And here's his task. Here's the role of John the Baptist. He, John the Baptist, will bring many of the people of Israel, that's God's people, he will bring many of God's people back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents back to their children. So there's reconciliation. And he will turn the disobedient back to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let's pause there. John the Baptist's whole job was to have people repent. His whole job was essentially to get what we would call church people to repent. He he wasn't sent to the people who'd never heard of God. He was sent to God's people. It was God's people in the pews that needed to repent. God's pleasure, God's favor, and the call to change are not mutually exclusive. There's still repentance that's needed. When we were out ministering on the streets uh, a couple of weeks ago in the Sunday night group that goes out, um, we were talking to this, this one couple who were, were from Vietnam. They just recently moved here. And um, we're talking about uh, sort of what, what's the culture like there? Well, they have some Buddhism. They have a little bit of Christianity. And we're like, well, what are you? And they're like, well, we're nothing. But we believe in God. Yeah, God. All the good stuff. Only the good stuff. Believe about God, only the good stuff. I'm thinking, well, you're going to fit right in here in Canada. Um, that's the tendency, right? We, we, we want that higher power, but we only want the good stuff. We only want the good news, right? The thing about good news is that there's bad news always attached to it, and it isn't good news without bad news. The bad news is people need to repent. The good news is that God's made sure that can happen. 
and that the repentance is the best thing that we could possibly do. That repentance, the, the very call to repentance is, in a sense, good news. Some of us, I think, need to repent of that view that our, our friends on the streets actually espouse, that, well, we read our Bible, but we only like the good stuff. We only want good news. Positive, happy thoughts, etc. none of the repentance, none of the dealing with sinners. No, no, no. You don't get good news without that side of it. You will actually miss everything that Jesus has for you if we don't enter into the repentance first. It's good news. Because it was that very thing that was separating us from God. What I'd like to do is give you a moment and just ask the Lord, Lord, what do I, as one of your people, what do I need to repent of? Would you close your eyes and just ask the Lord that? Lord, what do I need to repent of? Lord, you decide how pleased, or we decide how pleased you are with us. Lord, would you guide us in repenting well? Lord, we as your people once again need to hear it. That we don't get everything right. That we have displeased you in ways that we have spoken, thought, behaved. The intentions of our hearts are not pure. So often divided, in fact. So often we are bent towards something that is completely contrary to you. And Lord, in this moment, we take another moment of silence and say, I'm sorry, Lord. Prepare me once again for your coming.
I, I rebuke the lie that you displeased God so much that it did affect his love. That he doesn't love you anymore because of your behavior. Amen. You may decide how pleased God is by some of your behavior, but you can't actually even cancel out all the pleasure that he has for you. It's not just that his love doesn't run out, it's that he still holds a certain amount of pleasure in even the worst of sinners. Can you believe that? Do you believe that? Maybe you're going to ask me to back that up first. Okay, let me back it up. Let's move on in our Bibles. God was pleased enough with his people to send Jesus. We're going to move from one angel's announcement to the next and see that. Luke 2, beginning at verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts, in other words, more angels, appeared with this angel, praising God and pay attention to what they're saying. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests or to those with whom he is pleased. You can't even cancel out all of God's favor or God's pleasure in people, in you, regardless of your track record, regardless of the week that you had, regardless of that looming sin that that just stays in the background and you've never forgotten what you did, what you said, how you hurt someone else, how you responded. And you shudder at the thought that what if my, could you imagine if your thoughts were ever projected up on the screen for everyone to see? And yet those very darkest moments of your life have not canceled out all of the favor that God has for you. He may certainly increase in his pleasure for you or decrease depending on your behavior, but you have never once canceled out all of it. You have not only canceled, not canceled out his love, you have not canceled out all of his pleasure, at least according to the word. He was pleased enough to send Jesus. And notice, notice this. How old is John the Baptist when the angel makes this announcement? Three months. 
So has John the Baptist yet gone out and turned the hearts of the people back to their God? So in other words, John hasn't yet called people to repent. Has he? So therefore, then the people haven't yet repented, have they? Have I lost you in this? One more time. John the Baptist's job was to call people to repent. But John the Baptist is only three years old. He hasn't yet gone out to, three months old. He hasn't yet gone to do that. The people have not yet heard God's call that you need to repent. But God has sent an announcement of his favor before the people were called to repent. Your worst sin has never canceled out the favor God has for you. He had enough favor for you to send his very son while you still sucked. While I still sucked. Your sin has not nullified the favor favor of God. And the favor of God for his people has not nullified the fact that those people still need to repent. Neither of these have canceled one another out. I'd, I'd like you to rest in that in a moment, for a moment. Would you, would you close your eyes once again and rest in the favor of God who has seen you at your worst and said, I have favor for this person. Rest there for a moment, please. It is the kindness of the Lord that leads people to repentance. Romans says. God demonstrates his own love for, insert your name, God demonstrates his own love for you, person sitting in the chair in front of me. God demonstrates his own love for you in this, while you were at your worst, Christ came and Christ died for you. For you at your worst, when you hurt someone so badly and they never have forgiven you, God, whom you hurt equally and more, already sent his favor, already expressed his kindness, already in the middle of you hurting God, he said, I forgive you. No exceptions.
Amen. I was asking the Lord this week, Lord, this is really abstract. When I said to him, you didn't just tell us that you favor us. You you demonstrated it. You came personally, so this shouldn't be abstract. Lord, like, how, how do I make this not abstract? How do I not just talk about favor and love, but how, how do I demonstrate it the way you demonstrate it? Because you demonstrated it. He came. So I was asking the Lord, like, how do, how do you want this to land? And I, I sat in silence I had this picture of a candy cane. I'm like, oh man, I know what that means. It's not Santa. That's a story. So let me tell you this, the candy cane story. Because the candy cane story illustrates God's favor on people before they have repented. It illustrates God coming among his people and expressing and demonstrating his favor. So let me tell you the candy cane story. A couple of weeks ago, um, when our, our Sunday night group went out to the streets, we always pray beforehand. And so we just stand in front of City Hall for a couple of minutes and we ask the Lord, Lord, would you use us to show other people your love? your favor, your goodness, your kindness, your grace, that kind of thing. We, we come with empty hands, but we're willing to, to go, say or do what you want. So we, we pray and we ask that God would bless other people through us. And then we, we just say, do you have any directions for us? And so there's a group of four of us. Um, I'm going to tell you who, it doesn't matter. One person heard, go left, then go straight. One person heard the color red and the name Garth. One person heard the color blue and dog collar. And the last person heard candy cane. Well, that's, you know, when you, when the word dog collar or candy cane or colors come to mind, you're not, you're thinking, I don't think this is the Lord. I think this is just like random stuff getting churned up. Like, well, that's all we got. So four of us go straight and then go left or go left and go straight, whatever it was. Just like, Lord, what are you going to do? You're going to lead us. And we're walking down a ways and then one person says, there's this couple that's walking awkwardly close behind us. And they, they've been walking behind us now for quite a while. And the, the woman is dressed in, a, in a, uh, a winter coat that is red from the top of her head down past her knees, like entirely red. I'm like, well, maybe this is it. We'll just, we often will just stop people and say, hey, we're, we're just out praying. Do, would you like prayer? So that's, that's what we did. Um, and they, they were this, this uh, couple that's 
newly come over from Vietnam. And so we're just talking to them, praying for them, you know, the ones that only believe all the good stuff, right? But anyway, we, we just shared, you know, we're, we're out just praying for people. How can we pray for you? Would you like us to pray for you? They're they quite open to that. And so we just prayed blessings over them, some of the, the situations that they're in, they're going through. And the whole time, I'm, I'm praying with my eyes open because I'm standing a little bit towards the back. Other people are talking and, and leading in this. And uh, so I'm watching them. I'm watching this, this couple who only believes all the good stuff, like some Buddhism, some, some Christianity, but just, you know, they're going to be very good Canadians down the road if God doesn't intervene, except he is intervening. And so as he's intervening, what's happening is I'm watching them go, yes, yes, as we're praying for them. They're saying, they're, they're like amening the prayers. They're engaging with this personal God. Very interesting what happens. And by the time we were done, you should have seen the joy on their faces. They felt seen and known by God. Do they still need to repent? Probably. But it's his kindness that leads people to repentance. And these people felt God's kindness and God's favor in the moment. So then we go on from there. And we end up on the steps of turning point handing out hot chocolate over there and just saying, anyone want prayer? One woman says, yes, I'd like prayer. And just talking to her, there, people are talking to her, just praying. And we start in prayer for her. And one of our team members stops suddenly and says, does the name Garth mean something to you? <laughs> and this woman's like, I actually know a couple of Garths. I'm thinking, who knows a couple of Garths? Anyway. And the team member says, I think maybe God wants to like speak into that a little bit. There's some healing around that, that relationship. And this woman just like opens up and starts sharing about how burdened she is for Garth. And just going into details, I don't need to go into details. So we start praying for her around this situation. And by the end of that prayer, on the steps of turning point, a woman says she's beaming. She's smiling. And she says, something shifted. Like, I feel lighter. And she's experiencing God's favor and God's joy. Does she still need to repent? Yes, probably of a whole lot. But that did not prevent her from receiving and encountering the love of God in the moment. As God came among us and and next to her and spoke personally details that none of us, we don't know Garth's let alone her Garth, right? But God speaks. And he shows his kindness and his care for people that way. So we've got our, we got our red. The red people were actually standing under a blue awning. It was very interesting. I'll talk about that later another time. It doesn't matter. So we got our red, we got our blue, we got our, our left, we got our, our, our straight. We got our Garth. Okay, well, we'll just keep going, see what the Lord has next for us. And uh, I can't tell you how many, uh, I was the one that got dog collar, and I can't tell you how many times the people in the group are like, there's a dog, Ben. 
And I each time would go up and say, do you want prayer for anything? They're like, no. <laughs> and I had to swallow some pride to do that, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, because it was somewhat embarrassing just to go up to people and say, you know what, I got this word dog collar, and do you need any prayer? And they're like, no, we're good, thanks. Um, but I'm learning that that's okay. I'm learning that that's okay. Even when it's a weird word, like dog collar, oh my goodness. So we, we, we go along, and um, we, we pass Potter's hands, and we, we see a guy down at the end next to the dumpster. I think he had been dumpster diving, in fact. And so we just wander over, offer him some hot chocolate. Don't have any words, but we start praying for this guy. And, um, and it was Joel praying for this guy. And uh, Joel was praying, Lord, I pray that, that this guy, his name was James, but that James would feel your embrace, would feel your embrace, would know the love and the embrace of the good father who loves him so much. <laughs> and Joel finishes the prayer, and then hears God say, yeah, I want you to embrace him. I think Joel is wrestling a little bit with, like, well, this guy's just dumpster diving, God. Like, I'm like well, I, I come among my people by way of my people. Right? And so Joel wraps his arms. He, he asks James first, you know, would you like a hug? And James is sort of like, well, I, I signed up for the prayer. I don't know if I signed up for the hug, but he's like, yeah. But you should have seen the way this guy received a hug. You know, men, it's sort of like two, two slaps on the back and then we're done. This guy like leans in and then puts his head down on Joel's shoulder because he needed to hear and feel and experience the favor, the kindness of our God. And he did. We leave James, bless him. We still got this candy cane word. Of course, I got sent with more dog collars that didn't work out. And anyway, um, we, we end up back on Ross Street and we look over and there, there's a sign over on Ross Street right now, the Christmas decorations, and there's two giant candy canes out in front of, I don't know, the ice cream shop or something like that. And under the two can- giant candy canes is one woman. And she's standing there. She's very small and she's a little older and she's looking around like kind of lost. Like she doesn't know what she's she doing. She just came out of the restaurant. The timing of this is amazing. We, we go up to her. We say, we're out praying for people. You know, would you like prayer? And she's like, I just lost my dog. And my brother just died yesterday. So yeah, I would like prayer. She, she has two relatives that come out and they just like put their arms around us and we just start praying for this woman who's had two heartbreaks in one day. As they were out, just the three of them, remembering Uncle Rick. And she feels the love of God demonstrated and expressed and shown in the moment. Does she still need to repent? Probably. Is she more open to repenting now? Yeah. Because she saw and heard 
and felt the experience of the love of God coming to her where she was. She felt known. She felt loved. She was every single one of the people I named tonight, uh, today, when we went out that night, every single person, by the time we were done talking to them, was glowing. And that is not always the case. But every single one of them was experiencing the love and joy and favor of the Lord. Do you want favor? Do you need favor? We see God show favor Sunday night after Sunday night. We we see him express his kindness as people realize he knows me. He loves me. They see it. They feel it. God demonstrates his love for us. He shows his love for us. He doesn't just tell us he loves us. He shows us. It's an experience. God comes personally. There were personal words. There was a personal embrace. And he shows favor among people who still need to repent. The week you had did not cancel out God's favor for you. So do you want favor? Let's pray. Are you willing to be used by God to demonstrate his favor, his love to others? That's not a rhetorical question. Are you? Would you be willing to pray, Lord, would you use me to show favor to other people? To show your favor to other people? Lord, would you show favor to people here? If you're tracking with what I've just been leading us in in prayer,
And I would invite you, encourage you, to ask him to use you to show favor to someone here and now. You have a moment to listen. And if you are willing, you can invite the Lord to speak to you about how to share something with someone else. All right, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Hey God, do you think God might have spoken something to you to be shared? We depend on God for him to speak and him to work. But he also depends on us. So I'll give you one more opportunity. Is there someone who has something they think God's encouraging them to share.
So we're going to close. Going to do that. Sometimes the things aren't corporate, what we hear. So there can be opportunities now to pray with others. If someone came to mind, you're like, I think the Lord's directing me over there. You're going to have time to talk to others. You're also going to have time to clean up, put the chairs away, etc. But this is going to be your opportunity now to share if the Lord is so leading you. And we'll see what he does. So I'm going to close with the benediction rather than a song. And we are going to trust that the Lord will demonstrate his own love for us by demonstrating it through others. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace, shalom, wholeness, the life that he designed and intended for you. May you receive it today and walk in it this week. In Jesus' name. Amen.